0: Matthew chapter 6. What I want to do tonight is bring to our remembrance something that I spoke on almost exactly 10 years ago. And so if you were here, you probably have heard this, but on November the 10th in 2013, I spoke on this. And that was the little phrase that we repeated for a little while that a need gifted is a call to pray. A need gifted is a call to pray. So I want to just bring this back to our remembrance and look at this truth again. It's been a very uh, special and uh, challenging thing for me as I go back and relook at this. So Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8. So we're dipping right into the Sermon on the Mount, and the passage says, So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And of course, this is in the section here of uh, praying. You'll notice in verse 5, when you pray, don't be like this. You'll notice in verse 6, when you pray, go into your inner room and shut your door. And in verse 7 you have, and when you are praying. So here's three major verses that are dealing with our prayer life. And one of the things that we need to understand when we're dealing with our prayer life is the fact that all men... And when I use the word men, I'm talking about mankind. All men have an inherent sense to pray in times of distress. Even the atheist, you put him under another, enough distress, he will call out <clears throat> to some unknown God or some unknown deity. And of course, we witnessed this several several months ago, I think it was last year at this time, sometimes you'll see it, a football player or somebody gets seriously injured, and all of a sudden, everybody's talking about praying, whereas if you would just brought it up without the distress being there, they would probably tell you, well, I don't believe in God, or I think we just self-sufficient, or, you know, I can do it on my own, and all this type of understanding, but... The fact is, is that deep down in every man's nature is a deep-seated sense to call out to some deity, someone outside of themselves in times of distress. The other thing that we need to understand is is that believers need to be taught how to pray. I think a lot of times we think, well, we already know how to pray. You bow your head, fold your hands, get on your knees, and you pray. You just say these words and God hears us. But the Bible very explicitly teaches us that we need to be taught to pray. Luke chapter 11 verse 1, they actually ask the Lord. They say, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. So John taught his disciples to pray and they're asking Jesus to do the very same thing. <clears throat> and I suppose that if I was to ask every one of us <clears throat> what would be our greatest spiritual need, I think we would all say that our greatest spiritual need, you could mention being in the Bible, having our eyes enlightened, all these types of things, but really I think when it, the rubber meets the road, we would say that we need to be taught to pray. And as we're being taught to pray, now many believers don't understand this, we need to be taught what to pray. What to pray. In other words, how are we to approach God? What would be the decorum? I'm not speaking about ritualism, but what would be the decorum to pray? And then the thing to pray what should be the thing that we're requesting in that particular circumstance and of course you know that romans 8 verse 26 specifically says we do not know how to pray as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words now just because we don't know how to pray or what to pray in every situation doesn't mean that we say, well, then we'll just leave it up to the Holy Spirit and that's it. And I don't need to learn what to pray. No, to be conformed in the image of Christ is to be conformed in knowing what to pray in the circumstances of life. So we all have this inherent sense to call out in times of prayer. We all need to be taught to pray. And we all also need to learn what to pray and how to approach our great God. Now men pray fundamentally because they have a need. And the truth is, is that all men have been created with need. Does a baby have need? You know the answer to that is yes, That baby comes out completely helpless. That baby is full of need. And the fact of the matter is, is that even though we grow up bodily and we mature and we become adults and we think we don't have needs, we still are as helpless as a baby. Because everything we do, everything we have, we receive from God. If He doesn't give it to us, we don't have it. If he doesn't give us our breath to breathe, we don't breathe. If he doesn't give us the ability to think and to think clearly about things, then we think in a confused way. He is the one who's the source of everything. So in a sense, we're still as helpless as that baby. We just don't think that we are. And so all men are created with need. And secondly, there will never be a time where we will be without need. I think, many times as I think about this in my own life, I think, well, there are seasons of life where I don't have need, and then there are seasons of life where I really have need. And the fact is, we will never be without need. And a church will never be without need regardless of what that church may think. Do you remember the church at Laodicea? They thought they had no what? They thought they had no need. But when Jesus showed up, He actually said, you have need. They weren't aware of the need. They didn't have any comprehension of their spiritual need. But the fact remained that they still had need. And the Lord himself tells them, you need to come and buy of me. You need to come and have gold. You need to be purged. And so we're created with need. We always will be with need, both individually and as a corporate congregation, we call a church. And even if a church thinks it has no need, it just means they're what? They're ignorant of it. And that would be a sad thing, really, to be an individual or a congregation that is not aware of their need. Because if there is no awareness of their need, what happens to their prayer meetings? Like, why come and pray if you have no need? I mean, we give worship to God and praise on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. We do that with our music individually, maybe we do it as a home, we sing hymns. I mean, we do that all through the week, but why come to church? Because I really don't see a need to go. And the thing is, they do have a need to go. They're just unaware of it, they're ignorant of their true need. And based on this verse, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, For your father knows what you need before you asked him. I actually came up with this little thing. A need gifted is a call to pray. A need gifted. Now think about it. A need. A need. Gifted means it came from somewhere. Where? Where does it come from? It comes from God. A need gifted is a call from the one who sent the need to do what? To pray. To pray for it. Now, the fact of the matter is is that you can't pray for every need in your life. Make a list of your needs. And you don't have enough time in the day to be praying for all that. But we should be cognizant of our need And we definitely should be praying for the needs that percolate up in our life on a daily, hourly basis. A need gifted is a call to pray. Now, our Lord gives to us verse 8 based on the previous three verses. So in verse 5, you're not to pray like the hypocrites. A hypocrite is someone who prays to be seen of men. And in verse 6, you're to pray with your door closed. In verse 7, you're not to use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. Why do the Gentiles use meaningless repetition? Because they think they will be heard for their many words. Now, what we have here is the fact that we can pray, but the reason why we're praying is to be seen. To be seen of men, or to think we need to get God's attention. Most people think that they get God's attention by long, repetitious type of prayers. And of course, when you look at verses 9 through 13, when we have what we call the Lord's model prayers, not very long, is it? It's not very repetitious, is it? And yet, here he has... I forgot how many requests are in here. Six, if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong. Six requests right here in this thing that are prayed in how many seconds? Just say 10 seconds, right? Maybe 15 seconds, depending on how fast you read or could say them. The Father knows what you need. Look at verse 8 again. "...for your Father knows what you need." So, we're praying and asking for our needs to be fulfilled not because we think God doesn't know them. God does know them, does He not? In fact, He knows them, look at the verse again, Before you asked. So the psalmist said, Lord, you know what comes upon my tongue even before it enters into my heart. So the Lord knows all this even before you what? Even before you asked. And he knows your need even before you even think to ask. He knows what that need is. So our God is not ignorant, is He? He's not ignorant of our need. And folks, when we really hold this into our minds, that our Father is not ignorant of our need, it changes how we approach God. How do we approach God? As if He doesn't know something? No, when we tell him we have this need, we're not telling him something he doesn't want. He doesn't know. Nor does God not know how he wants to fulfill that need. So your father knows not only that you have a need, your father knows what you need before you even asked him so let's say you have a need for food on your table who who generated that need the lord did he created all of us to eat and here you are perhaps you have nothing in the cupboard you have nothing in the refrigerator it's hard to imagine that but i've been in that situation before nothing there The need is there. Well, who knew about the need? God knew about the need. And so, He knew about the need, and not only did He know about the need, He knows how He wants to meet the need. Now, He can meet that need in one or two ways. In this illustration, He could provide the food. So in our case, that's exactly what He did. The situation I'm thinking of, there was a knock on the door and there was someone there with a couple of bags of groceries. And we have been struggling for about a week with eating. And the person said to us, they literally said something, I'm not quoting, but they said, I am so sorry. I've had these groceries for a week and I just haven't been able to get them over to your house. And of course, my sinful nature (laughs) immediately flared up. Instead of being thankful for the food, now I'm like, well, why did you give up to it last week? But did the Lord know that? Well, the Lord knew all that. So the Lord knows the need. So he could supply the need. He could bring food. And of course, we've heard the famous illustration, George Mueller, he has all the the orphans there around the table and there's no food. And he tells the orphans, let's bow our head and thank God for the food. And then all of a sudden the, the horse and buggy with the cheese and milk and all that broke down and he had to get rid of all that, knocks on the door, boom, there's the food. We love those, amen. But there's a second way that he could answer your need and that is he could give you the grace to endure through it. Now that's not typically what we pray for but he could meet that need that way, could he not? And we've talked about praying for persecuted people. That's really how God's answering that need in their life. Now, our desire would be that they wouldn't be under such horrific situations. And we need to pray for that, that the Lord would break through those situations. Many times we have mentioned here on Wednesday night in North Korea, just reading it, You almost can't read the horrific things that they're going through there. But it's also true that God's giving grace and being a testimony there in that place also. And so, our Father is not indifferent to us. He's not ignorant. It's not that He's not hearing us. He knows our need because He's gifted to us that need. And that's true whether you're a college student or whether you're a child at home or a parent. It's also true for a church. Whatever a church is at their present state, they have need. Now, we could complain about the need. We could wish that the need wasn't there. We we could have all kinds of things come in our head. But really, that need gifted, is a call to what? It's a call to pray for that need. <clears throat> and then secondly, <clears throat> your father knows what you need before you asked him. It means that we don't have to use meaningless repetition to get his attention. Our father, I can assure you, I can assure you with all scriptural authority is more attentive to you than you are to Him. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. We are always in His mind. His thoughts toward us can't be numbered. He cares for us. He surrounds us. He preserves us. He guides us. He's way more attentive to us than we are to Him. So do we really need, when we pray, to think that somehow I've got to work out some way to get God's attention and kind of like force His hand to answer me? The answer to that is what? No. 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 And I think in many cases, we think that that's exactly what we have to do. And, folks, that's really a pagan idea of what prayer is to be. Now, take your Bibles and go back to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18, let me just show to you some pagan praying. (coughs) 1 Kings chapter 18, and of course you know the situation here. We have Mount Carmel, Elijah has gathered together all the prophets of Baal, there are about 450 of them. Can you imagine a gathering like that? And so here's 450, not just merely worshipers of Baal, but priests and prophets of Baal. And so Elijah gathers them up. Verse 25, he tells them to prepare a sacrifice. And they agree that the God who answers by fire is the one true and living God. And so what they did is, look at verse 26. Then they took the ox and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Okay, so how long is that? It's about how many hours? About four, five, six hours. Morning until noon, saying, "Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice. And no one answered. So can you hear this? Oh, Baal. Oh, Baal. Oh, Baal, answer me. Nothing. Verse 26. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. So now what are they trying to do? They're trying to get Baal's what? Attention. Like, look at me. Pay attention to me. Verse 27. And it came about at noon that Elijah mocked them. And he's really really utilizing what Jesus said here on the Sermon on the Mount. He mocked them and said, call out with a loud voice. Do you see that? For He's a God... Either he's occupied, that means he's not paying attention, or he's gone aside, or he's on a journey, or maybe he's asleep. And you kind of need to rouse him and wake him up. So, what did they do? They took his advice. Verse 28. And they cried with a loud voice. Now they're really going to get his attention. And cut themselves according to their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out on them. Now you've probably never gone that far in praying. But I've been in prayer meetings where it sounds like that people are trying to get God's attention. Oh, Lord, oh, oh, Lord. Okay, now I'm not saying all of that is insincere. Okay, but I'm just saying that we don't have to do that. Everybody with me? Our Lord is not asleep. You don't need to wake him up. And you don't need to use meaningless repetition to try to get him or to force him to answer your prayers or to let him know what the need is. He already knows the need. He's given it to you. And so we can go to him, the one who knows our need, the one who is attentive to our prayers, the one that we don't need to overcome by using vain repetition or loud repetitive prayer. We just need to go to him in simple childlike faith and ask. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't put some argumentation underneath it. You read the Psalms, is that what he's doing? But he's not doing it to get God's attention. He's doing it like he's having a conversation with someone who desires the answer to the prayer. God's trying to develop in us the way He thinks so that we can think with Him in any situation. And so a need gifted is a call to pray. The answer is not just the gift. The need is the gift also. God has granted the need and God will grant the what? The answer. So, here's what I walked away with today, I thought, help me, that when a need is there, To know who it came from. So I can be thankful that the one who gave it is going to answer it. Everybody see that? I tend not to think that way. I tend to think the answer is the great thing. But it's both of them together. If I didn't have the need, I wouldn't ask. And if I didn't ask, I wouldn't what? Receive. And so all of that goes together. And that's one of the beautiful things, I think, about being a believer. The Lord is behind us. He's ahead of us. He knows what your need is going to be tomorrow. Right? This just came to mind. I'm arguing for this. Did Peter deny the Lord three times? Yes. Did the Lord pray for him? Before it happened? Yes. So before Peter was put in the situation, before Peter knew the need, and of course he didn't recognize the need, before he was put in the situation of that need, who already knew about the need and who had already prayed about the need he knew about the need and he gave the answer to the need even though peter wasn't aware of it what a keff that is our god is a great god and i'm so thankful for him let's go to our lord in prayer